Life is so much better when you have someone to share it with. And this couldn't be more true for our two guests on today's episode, who have bicycled together for over a decade in some of the world's longest and most challenging events, from the Silver State 508 and 24-hour world time trials in California, to the Race Across America and Paris Press Paris. They've also toured all over the world on their tandem bicycle together. So grab an espresso and enjoy today's awesome Ultra Talk. I'm your host, Justin Tu. Let's roll. Hey, Ultra family, Justin Tu here, your host of the Ultra Cycling Show. Today, we have two very special guests. In fact, it's a couple, and we'll be discussing all of their accomplishments over many, many years. Really excited to be able to have Tom and Elizabeth Guevara on the show today. Thanks for joining me, guys. Hello. <laughs> Where are you guys tuning in from today? Oh, we live in Coarse Gold, California which is about a half an hour north of Fresno and a half an hour south of Yosemite National Park. So we're up in the Sierra foothills. Oh, that's a really beautiful location. Do you guys ride a lot through the Sierras then? Well, yeah, yes. Yes, yeah. yes and no, in the foothills. And then every mm. once in a while, we'll go up further. Yeah. Where there's cooler weather. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. During this time, does it get cooler up there if you're going up? Oh, yeah. It's... Mm. We're even like, I'd say anywhere from five to seven degrees cooler than Fresno. Mm, pretty cool. All right. Before we dive into more questions and to get to know both of you and your ultra cycling careers, let's start with a quick sprint round of questions. Just a series of questions where we can get to know you in a nutshell. You could answer in a couple of sentences and we'll give both of you an opportunity to answer. So the first question, of course, most important, how long have you been riding bicycles and how long have you been an ultra cyclist? Um, I started riding in 2007, so it's probably around 13 years. Yeah, 13 years. And uh, ultra cycling, I started uh, four, three, four years ago. No way. Only three, four years ago? All right. Yeah. You have a, lot of, a long list of accomplishments. Can't wait to figure out how on earth well, you went from well, zero to 100. You have to define ultra cycling, <laughs> yeah, Justin, well, really. Well, well, for me, ultra cycling is uh, 100 miles and over. Plus, so you've 100 been, miles plus. Okay, so then you started a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then perhaps uh, multi-day events three, four years ago? Oh, multi, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Multi-day. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, that's fair. How about you, Elizabeth? Um, I started in 2008. Nice. Yeah. Um, watched Tom do his first organized ride and saw all different shapes and sizes and different types of people come in and thought, hmm, I could do that too. And so, <laughs> and it was a nice thing to do together. Cool. So Tom was the one that uh, got you both crazy and then you hopped on. You couldn't resist after a few years. Well, the reason he actually started cycling, he used to be a runner and he had bilateral hip replacements, so he couldn't hmm. run anymore. So then he picked up a bicycle. Hmm. And I think a lot of athletes are in the same boat. I actually was a runner myself growing up through, through high school and then had a short stint of triathlons. And next thing you know, I was there riding my bicycle. So 
we we can relate. Okay, now how many bicycles do you do you both own, and who 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 is crazier about you know bicycles and more obsessed about having the latest and greatest gear and all that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have uh, well, I have uh, two road bikes, one time trial bike, one mountain bike, and sh- she has the same two road bikes, a mountain bike. I don't However, have a time trial. She doesn't trial. have a time trial bike, but we, and we do have uh, a two. Ta- tandem. Two, two tandems. tandems. One oh, travel boy. tandem. Nice. Gee, so you guys have collected uh, quite a nice uh, batch of uh, bicycles there. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> okay, now which ones are your favorite? Uh, well, right now, uh, I'm training to do uh, Borrego Springs, a 24-hour time trial. So I'm basically on my nice. time trial bike a lot. Hmm. So right now, that... that <laughs> I'm riding that a lot, yes. Cool. And what what was the brand of that? It's a Trek. Nice. Yeah, well, all our bikes are Treks, except for the Tandem. It's a co-motion. Okay. So hardcore uh, Trek fans. Any particular reason for that? Oh, no. um, I think a lot of our friends have Treks, and we just... uh, The bike shops that we... Our, deal with our, our track primarily tracked hmm. but clearly it's it's done well for you both and you have accomplished a lot on them so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's cool what bicycle do you ride the most elizabeth um my new track with the electronic shifting but i have to nice. say my first track which i had custom painted is my still my favorite but the electronic shifting, I have to say, is is nice. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, actually, what? they were both custom painted. Actually, so the new truck is a project one, and I and I have it um, painted for it's like that. It's Bianchi, the Bianchi color. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it was based on a bicycle. I copied a bicycle from a gal that we actually rode in honor of Crystal for mm. the Ram team. She mm. passed away in a cycling accident. And so my bike is painted as her bike was. So mm. that was oh. a custom paint job. But a Bianchi was, uh, we didn't have any dealers, uh, Bianchi dealers. And it's nice to have mm. a local bike shop that you go to. Mm. Yeah, that's really special. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, now what bicycle computer do you both use? We use our Garmin 1030. I don't have a 1030, do you? Oh, yeah, I guess I do. Doesn't matter to you as long as you could see your speed, right? Now, how about, uh, do you guys train with power at all or heart rate? I do. Hmm. I train with power, yes. Cool. I don't. You're, you're too strong. It doesn't matter. You, you know you're beating oh. Tom every day anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't been on the bike much this year. Yeah, me as well. I can relate. We'll give Tom a chance. <laughs> well, we were supposed to be in Japan yeah. in June doing a bicycle tour for my 60th birthday. So. Oh, boy. It was wow. a tandem tour. Yeah. yeah. So postponed for now. Till 2022, yes. Wow. That would be beautiful. Now, let's see, in June in Japan, it, are the cherry blossoms out at that time? I don't think so. Okay. But you're going for, for other sites. Yeah, we were, um, it was from 
Hokkaido, the North Island, Hokkaido, and we actually were going to get to um, ride in Russia one day because there's a little, I guess there's a little oh. island close and we huh. were, yeah, they were going to take us to Russia, which was another country on the list. So. Wow, that's pretty neat. Okay, so it is organized by uh, some, some other group. Yeah, it's a tandem tour, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. All right. Well, 2022, we'll have to have you back on the show and, and <laughs> do a recap of that tour. It sounds really beautiful. Okay, guys. So when you're riding, what's your favorite ride snack, whether it's a race or, you know, a tour or just training every day? Uh, right now, I've been, I make uh, uh, their date bars. They're made with dates, ah, uh, yeah, cashews, yeah. cocoa powder, um, coconut, peanut butter. And I make those and that's what I snack on. Oh, excellent. Now, do you shape them as bars or do you put them into balls? Okay. No, I shape them into bars. Sometimes I do balls. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Delicious. How about you, Elizabeth? Uh, I would say the same. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Marco likes them too. (laughs) Oh, okay. So that's one of the secrets, huh? Didn't, he didn't share, share that with us on his episode. That's probably how he got his 12 new world records, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Marco Ballo, for those of you who don't know, he just set 12 new world records. Check that podcast out on the website. All right. How about after a nice, long, hard ride? What's your favorite post-ride meal? Oh, I eat just about anything, but I eat just about anything, but um, I really prefer like a, uh, a steak and some pasta. Mm. Yeah, that's, sounds good. Yeah, I would do taco and burrito with a beer. <laughs> All right, I think we're we're heading to the same restaurant then after our next long ride together. <laughs> I I always crave Mexican food. Don't know why, but just some good rice and beans and taco burrito or something like that. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of good uh, Mexican food out there where you are in the kind of Central Valley area, Fresno. Kind yes, of yes. Well, taco trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food trucks. All right. What or when was your last ride and how long was it? Well, my last ride was the 600K just two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah, about two or three weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah, it was uh, 375 miles. Wow. that's So you're in tip-top shape then it sounds like. Well, yeah, I'm trying to be anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. And and where where was that from? We started in Fresno and uh, went over the hill into Hollister, San Juan Batista. Nice. Uh, made it into Monterey, and then we spent the night for a few hours in King City. Got mm-hmm. up and finished the ride the next day. Wow! And you both did did that ride? No, I I supported. Okay. Now, I haven't been on the bicycle for a while. The last time was on the trainer. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm sure a lot of people are in the same boat with the pandemic, a lot of virtual riding, even the double centuries and other events. And like they say, uh, Tom, behind every great man is a great woman. So, Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I am familiar with that uh, stretch there. You're talking about Hollister, San Juan Batista and all that. Yeah. Because... Um, I've, I've done several times from San Jose to LA and I, I usually like going that route and then going through King City down to Paso Robles and then I cut across to Highway 1 from there. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Yeah, we did. Uh, that reminds me of the uh, 600K did from San Jose to Oxnard and took that route. Oh, okay. okay. Over, yeah. To, nice. uh, yeah, pretty much. It sounds familiar. Oh, like yeah. The same route. Now, it sounds like you both have done a lot of riding. I know you've competed in many events. You've also done a lot of touring. Across all of that and all your training, you're the, near the, in the foothills of the Sierras. What do you prefer in terms of terrain? Do you prefer the climbs, the descents, the rollers, or the flats? <laughs> uh, let's see. For me, uh, I prefer flat uh, because you can just get into a rhythm. Mm. Uh, nice, nice rhythm and, and just kind of cruise along. The next would be, I guess, climbs because also you can get into a rhythm and climb. The yeah. uh, descents would be next. And rollers, uh, I, don't, I don't like them because <laughs> <laughs> it's just constantly shifting up and down, up and down, you know. Yeah, yeah definitely. Elizabeth? Yeah. I would say flat. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like rollers either, but um, I – I am scared of descending, so it's it's that's one of my. I guess being a nurse, I know what can happen, so I take it very slow okay. on descents. Mm. Mm, yeah, I never I'm never able to make up time on descents because I'm too I'm yeah. scared. <laughs> well, don't worry, I'm I'm similar. I'm pretty conservative when it comes to the downhills. Not like Jason, I know he was going in his podcast, I think he said he hit about just about 60 miles per hour. Yeah. We, we did a ride together nearby here in the Livermore area down Patterson Pass, which is part of uh, the Devil Mountain Noble, but we were going the reverse way and he, was, uh, he actually passed a motorcycle, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and Marco Ballo, he said he did about 65 miles per hour, but on a flat now. You know, it's yeah, but crazy. he was drafting. Yeah, right, right. right. Didn't he say he was drafting behind a van or something? So yeah, yeah, yeah. When we descend on the tandem, you can hit pretty high speeds. I just close my eyes. Mm. Yeah, now, Marco has the e-bike. That's why he. <laughs> <wants to. laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Now, what what's the max speed that you both have gone? Then I assume then it's on a tandem. Uh, no, for me on on my uh, singles, uh, fifty eight miles an hour on the descent. Oh boy! So you feel I pretty just, comfortable then? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, I mean, no. It, it's still nerve wracking, but yeah. I think I've hit forty on my single, but nice. not comfortable at all. I try mm. to stay in the thirties mm -hmm. descending. Yeah. But now on the tandem, what is your, what would you say is your average descending speed that you guys are both comfortable with? Well, I, uh, I, I know that she's afraid to descend, so I, I'll mm. just kind of take it easy. So maybe 35, 40 okay. on the descent. But, but, nice uh, guy. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I want to make it back alive. <laughs> yeah. Now, Elizabeth, so you're kind of afraid to go fast downhill, but now if you were drafting a car and going flat like Marco Bala was, would you be more comfortable going 50, 60 miles an hour? No. No? No. Okay. <laughs> That's the nurse mind. No matter what, right, the right. nurse mind takes over. Yeah, so yeah. I just, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I can be competitive, um, but I'm not, you know, I still like to have fun. Yeah, totally. Okay, a couple more sprint round questions here. 
What time of day do you guys both prefer riding, training? Uh, I prefer morning. Uh, however, I do switch it up. Uh, tra- I do train in the afternoons in the heat of the day and when it's the most windy. Hmm. Uh, just so I get that, uh, that training in you know, from heat and uh, the wind. So I, I, I change it up. But, but mostly, mostly morning time. Hmm. Yeah, I like, like morning. Yeah, morning is nice. Sounds like Tom takes uh, his training pretty seriously. He uh, he likes uh, he's a sucker for punishment, I suppose you would say. <laughs> yeah, he takes his training very seriously. That's great. Okay, now what do you guys think? Does ultra cycling require more mental or physical strength? Uh, mental. Yeah. I, I would say mental. Okay, Elizabeth. Absolutely mental. Mental. All right. So both of you are pretty mental then. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite event? You guys have done so much. Um, favorite event? Uh, well, I'll tell you that uh, when I did Paris Brest Paris, that was the most exciting, the most fun, the, uh, the best time I ever had just because of, of uh, uh, the different people, the people from around the world that were there. Uh, the people in France that uh, came out to support you, and uh, I, I thought that was that was the most exciting and best time I've ever had. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, you know, my cycling event, and I guess uh, next would be uh, uh, race across America, because mm-hmm. again, there it's just it's just so exciting riding your bike across the states and. And then occasionally you do have a person that comes out on the sidewalk with a pot and pan and they're beating it, yeah. <laughs> you know, cheering you on. Definitely. That's exciting. Cool. Elizabeth, how about you? Favorite events? Um, I, I also have to agree with Race Across America. Um, it was hard. It was hard, but it was so rewarding. Um, mm. Doing it for a charity was rewarding. Um, we did it in honor of, like I said, Crystal, who passed away. So that was really, you know, just just a big honor. Her parents came down for the start. That was just, it was just very, very moving. So that would be like racing type event. And then the other um, type of riding, the touring we do in the different countries, um, just this past January, we rode from... Um, Siem Reap, Cambodia to Hoi An, Vietnam. Oh, wow. And nice. um, that has definitely been my favorite touring type event. Um, same, same thing like what Tom was saying with Paris. Mm. I mean, we were out in no man's land in like Cambodia and Vietnam and little kids would come out to the street and wave and and practice their English. Ha, hello, what's your name? Oh, and cool. Where are you from? And it was, yeah, yeah. that was just so cool. And then occasionally That's I would uh, give some of the locals a ride on the tandem. Yeah, you know, they I'd would. Take them for a oh ride on gosh. the tandem. They, they had wow. so much fun. That's the picture I should have sent you. <laughs> that, that, that one is, yeah, that was, I mean, they, they'd never, a lot of them had never even seen a tandem. Oh, no kidding. So yeah. that was a real yeah. treat for, for you guys and them. Yes. yes. That's awesome. Yeah, you guys have done a whole lot. I mean, you've done the Race Across America, 
you've done PBP, you've done the 24-hour world time trial, you've done even the virtual race across the West this year, and the Silver State 508, you've done a lot of touring. So you've obviously accomplished a lot, and you must have started some way. So how did you both get into cycling? I guess Tom started it. Was it a particular event that you were interested in participating in, or was there a friend that you had that was doing it before you? What was the beginning of both of your adventures? Well, well, for me, um, like, like I said, uh, I, I used to be a runner, and then I had bilateral hip replacements, so I couldn't run anymore. So I got on a bike and rode maybe a quarter mile up the road, came back to my house, and I was exhausted. <laughs> and uh, after that, uh, I uh, bought a road bike, and Elizabeth said, hey, there's a club in Fresno, maybe you should join the club. And mm. So I started riding with mm. a group called uh, ROGs, Retired Old Guys. <laughs> and, uh, cool. and, and I thought I was in fairly good shape, mm. but these guys would hammer. They're not like over 65 years old, and they just hammer cruising 18, 19 miles an hour. They wow. I'd, I'd get dropped so bad. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's how I got started riding. That's awesome. And, and we've heard of how Elizabeth got suckered into it as well. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Now, was there any resistance uh, initially, Elizabeth, when Tom got into it or anything like that? Or you kind of, you enjoyed it yourself and you enjoyed supporting him and then just naturally you thought, hey, this looks kind of fun for myself as well. I, yeah, it was just, it, it looked, looked like it was a lot of fun and something we could do together. Hmm. And, and we kind of did things backwards because hmm. like, I mean, we start, Tom started in seven and then, I mean, he, he immediately just got very, you know, did very, very well and did the Furnace Creek and, and, you know, like my first big event was Ram. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we did sentries and double sentries, but I mean, we kind of started. I mean, we did. Tom did Ram in 2011, and we did it mm. then together in 2012. And then after that, we've done a lot of things after Ram, where usually people do a lot of things and then take that big step to do Ram. I I didn't even understand what Race Across America was when Tom started talking about it. <laughs> Uh, that's incredible. So, Tom, were you a competitive runner then before? I mean, give us a sense of what you were doing before, because clearly you had the mindset and even the physical capabilities to be able to really go from zero to 100 uh, when you started riding your bike. I, uh, well, yes, I, I've always been competitive, but mostly uh, um, like baseball, basketball, football type sports. Mm. Um, didn't really do much in cycling. And then I began riding, running later in uh, uh, like maybe my junior, senior year of high school and continued mm. after I graduated. And I was running a lot of 10Ks and a couple half marathons. Yeah, but that was basically it. Then my hips started to hurt quite a bit from running from, you know, needing the hip replacement. Mm. So um, I had to give that up. But yes, uh, then I jumped on a bike. 
He was a very good, he's being very modest. He was a very, <laughs> very strong athlete in high school. Okay. Good to have the other half of you here with us to, to share the truth. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, how about you, Elizabeth? What sports did you enjoy growing up? Um, I was not athletic. I <laughs> did gymnastics in high oh, school. Cool, cool. That's pretty much it. And then became a very young mother. So um, not until Tom and I married did I even consider any type of sports. Hmm. I mean, this is just something that we grew to love together. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Really glad you guys have been able to do this together and really enjoy ultra cycling. It's so beautiful and it's even more beautiful when you could share it with somebody that you love. So that's awesome. But now Elizabeth, so you, you didn't really do a whole lot. Then you got started later in your life with the bicycling. Was it easy to get started in terms of your mindset or was it really foreign to you and it took a while to kind of get the hang of it or, you know, having Tom there to kind of guide you, you know, did that help a lot? Give me a little sense of how, how things were playing out in your mind. Um, uh, I, I can't say it was hard. I, I just, I saw how much joy it gave them and, and uh, you know, getting older, you want to stay in shape. And so that was, you know, that helped also. And then, I mean, he, we got to go a lot of places, you know, doing the events. Like my first century was um, the lighthouse. So that was really nice at San Luis Obispo. Mm. And then we did cool breeze and Ventura. And then, then when he did the triple crown, it was like, well, you know, you do a century, well, you can do another one. So then that started and, you know, you, we did the Eastern Sierra and mm -hmm. uh, Grand Tour and, and Solvang, Davis, and you just get to travel and, yeah. and, you know, up and down California. And then, then we had friends that started doing the tandem tours and now look at, I mean, we've been... Mm -hmm to Europe and Asia. And so it's just, it's just enjoyable, I guess. I, I don't yeah. really think of it as a, a sport. It's just fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really unique what you guys have together as a couple being able to do that because I know a lot of people in the ultra cycling uh, community, typically they're riding on their own and and a lot of the times, you know, their spouse or another family member isn't uh, participating. So I'm sure you guys have had just a blast over the years with everything you've done. And you guys have pretty much left no rock unturned. You've done almost <laughs> everything. <laughs> so that's awesome. Now, I do have a couple photos that you sent me. So it'd be awesome to be able to see just visually what you guys were up to. I see this first photo is there, the Great Divide in, in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. So I, I assume this was during one of your Rams, Race Across that America's? Was, yeah, that was 2012 Ram. And um, the name of our team, we were an eight-person team, and the name of our team was Crystal's Gift um, mm. for Crystal, who um, we did it for an organization, Team Donate Life, which brought awareness to Oregon donation and crystal donated eight organs so that's where uh, crystal's gift the name came from and if you can look 
on Tom's jersey, there's uh, he had a picture of Crystal. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Over yeah, there. she was uh, 29 years old, and she died here in Fresno. She was um, descending on an organized ride oh, in 2011. Wow. Yeah, tragic loss. And it, actually, her younger sister was one of our crew members. Oh, wow. That's special. That's yeah. So, awesome. so it, like I said, that that will forever be my favorite ride just because mm. it has so much meaning. Mm. That's really touching. Tell me about uh, your, your perspective of that 2012 Ram, Tom. How did it all come together? I mean, whose idea was it initially? Uh, 2012, it was Elizabeth's idea. It's always, it, it's no way, there. really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the no, truth I is coming crew- out now on you, Elizabeth. <laughs> well, I crewed for 2011. We did it again for the same organization. And then when we had like our post-RAM dinner, I just said, well, I want. It, it's much easier to ride than crew. Hmm. So I needed to ride it. Can't hmm. just crew it. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so you crewed in 2011. Uh, Tom, your first experience with Ram then was actually riding it in 2012. In 2011. Oh, in 20. Oh, so you were riding and Elizabeth yeah, was yes. crewing for you. Oh, okay. I, right. I, I, you know, I actually first heard of Ram in 2010. Hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck is that? You know, I had a friend wow. that uh, said he was doing doing Ram, and, and uh, he kind of explained it to me, and and then I just kind of shrugged it off, and then. Uh, I said, well, I think I'd like to do RAM. And so we went to a convention uh, in Sacramento and met uh, George, George Thomas. Thomas. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, he actually was the one who introduced me to uh, Team Donate Life. And that's how I uh, was uh, added to the team mm. that year in 20, 2011. So you didn't have much time. You said you heard about in 2010. You've had about a year then. How long was your training? I mean, what did that look like? Give me some sense of what you did to prepare for your first round. Uh, tra- training, um, what did I do? It was, you did doubles. Uh, yeah, I did doubles. And um, mm. I did have a VO2 max test done to... to you know, just to better prepare myself and be aware of what I needed to do. And plus a nutrition class because I knew that it was ultra distance. Ah. And so I needed to stay fueled. So uh, I, I kind of. Uh, I think you did a lot of research. Yeah, I did, did a lot of research. He did it on his own. But I'll have to say one of the best things we did was take a nutrition class. That was yeah. really, really helped our success. Mm. And I yeah, I'd, of- I'd love to learn more about that. I, I, I think that's it's pretty unique. I'm not, I, first time I've heard of somebody specifically taking a nutrition class for the purpose of ultra cycling. What are some of the highlights from that class or things that you've taken away over the last decade since you've taken that class? Well, well for me, uh, it, uh, it, they, they give you a, a maximum amount of calories you should uh, consume a day. And we try to stick to that. And uh, plus on my Garmin, I have an alarm that, that uh, it reminds me, it's, it's a reminder to fuel. So I, every 20 minutes, it'll remind me to eat a little something and uh, hydrate. Mm. 
so that I don't bonk. Mm. And uh, that's, that's what I took away from it, is to uh, consume those calories every hour, mm. as well as stay hydrated. Right, because once you get in a deficit, you can't really make it up. And especially exactly. in a, a multi-day event, you're always in a deficit. So it's uh, even more important to make sure you're getting as much as your body can absorb and consume every single uh, hour and, and day. Uh, so Elizabeth, how about, how about you? What's kind of stuck with you over the last 10 years? What's worked well? Um, well, at that point, when I, we took the um, nutrition class, I was actually trying to lose a little bit of weight. But what was interesting is because we were riding, so you know you still have to eat a lot of calories. And what for me, what was interesting is sixty percent of your calories was taken from carbs, hmm. and you know it was kind of hard to balance. Understand, I was going to lose weight, but still need to eat hmm. these carbs. And what <laughs> yeah. I remember most is the bad carbs and the good carbs. So that mm. has really stuck with us. Definitely. Now I've the last year, pretty much it's almost been a year now since I've been going, uh, I've been plant-based. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I have a lot of problems with sciatica pain. Mm. And so I heard that, um, that you could, if you ate more plant-based, you would have less um, problems with inflammation. And I have to right. say it definitely has worked. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, actually, uh, most of my family has been plant-based for a number of years now. Um, I, I'm not as strict uh, when it comes to being 100% plant-based as my brother, for example, who's an ultra runner. But uh, I would say generally every week I'm about 80 to 90% uh, plant-based. And um, it... it it hasn't hurt my performance at all through the you know last three or four years that that I have been. It's it almost reminds me of when I did my first ride across America, and you know I was eating just kind of the usual stuff. I didn't have any experience when it came to say nutrition other than my nutritional strategy during a double century. And so I thought you know you know at the lunch stop maybe you'll have a subway sandwich or you know yeah. a sandwich or something. So I thought hey you know I'll be having a bunch of subway sandwiches every day, maybe some burritos or you know something like that. But after a day or or so of eating that, especially in you know 110, 115 degree heat through the desert, <laughs> you know you can't stomach that and you can't fit all of that uh, bulk and all of those fibers in you. So then that's when I started experimenting with a liquid uh, diet you know uh, ensure is a very popular product there's also plant-based ones out there ripple milk is one of my favorites uh, these days and um, i had always heard about other ultra racers especially in the multi-day events uh, using liquid nutrition but it kind of seemed almost like when i thought about plant-based diet initially i was skeptical i thought there's no way that could work. How, how could I drink all of my calories and still feel good? I need to have like, I don't know, a steak or, you know, something hearty and big that's going to fill up my stomach. And it's the strangest thing because I, I, I'm just drinking on my rides and I'm like, geez, shouldn't I be getting hungry soon? But I just never get hungry and I just keep drinking and drinking and, and yeah. you know, that works. So really uh, glad that that's working for you, Elizabeth. Um, have, you, have you seen the Game Changers documentary by chance? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always inspirational. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, really glad that you guys were able to share that. I think that's a useful bit of information for all of us to glean from. You know, the fact that you can do a lot in the way of training and preparing 
you can take courses, you can do a lot of research. And that is important because I think for some people, maybe when they get in the sport, they kind of just, you know, do whatever they think sounds normal or, you know, whatever they know, but you don't know what you don't know. And so it's good to be able to learn from both of you and all of the experience you had uh, through the years. Um, so getting back to training, uh, Tom, what does training look like for you for a you know, big event, whether that's you know, the 508 or if it's a multi-day event like PBP or RAM? How do you structure that training at a high level? I mean, are you looking at, at it from you know, six months out, 12 months out? I'm uh, uh, in the process of training for RAW uh, 2021. Hmm. Uh, so I started training three months ago. So uh, it's six days a week. I have uh, uh, two strength days, two uh, endurance days, one long endurance day, one short endurance day, and two recover easy spin days with one day off a week. One day, absolutely doing nothing. Mm. Wow, I couldn't keep up with that whole list. Sounds like you're pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, it's a commitment. But uh, that's something mm. that's been on the back of my mind is to do raw solo. Mm. And uh, however, I was telling my wife, if there's someone who wants to do RAM four-person team, I'd jump on that too. <laughs> so, but oh, wow. my, goal, my goal is raw solo mm. in 2021. So, Some wants to do a four person. Okay, yeah, another another guest we had in episode two. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. he he does a lot. He sounds like you guys uh, uh, lost a few bolts, uh, little nuts. Maybe both of you could do a solo raw, and then you can catch up with the other three yeah, and, and start from there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty. That's that's awesome. Uh, you know, wish you the best on that. So it sounds like you have just, uh, well, when you started three months ago, so uh, just over a year to be able to train for that. Yes. And I'd imagine you have some stepping stones along the way in terms of other events uh, that you'll use to keep you motivated and reach certain milestones. Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, this, this month and next month I'm doing uh, double centuries hmm. uh, in preparation for uh, the 24-hour time trial in Borrego Springs. And after that, starting in January, uh, hopefully I can jump on some um, uh, raw uh, RAM challenge events, which are 500 miles plus, 400, 500 miles. Mm -hmm. So uh, taking a couple of those and three or four of those before raw. Mm. Now, when do you expect that you'll start really ramping up mileage specifically for raw? What will that look like for you? Uh, what do you mean by that? In terms of adding on the mileage, I mean, I'd imagine right now your, your mileage is, you know, however many miles a week, 200 miles a week or something like that. What will the max mileage be per week in, in the latter stage of your raw training next year in 2021? Um, not too sure. Uh, yeah, like you said, right now it's uh, too... Yeah, about 250 miles per week. Mm. But um, I'm sure uh, I'll have to increase that uh, sometime after 24-hour. Uh, mm. Yeah, so the 24-hour event, that's going to be a really great one. 
is that going to be your your big test to see that okay i feel comfortable both at a physical and a mental level or is there going to be another test ride that you'll do that will be your final preparation just in terms of you know getting your crew all prepared going through a kind of a test ride but perhaps a long one where you're really exercising all of the different components well that's where the uh, ramp challenge events come in uh, i think the first one is in February, mm-hmm. and uh, we should possibly do a test run then. Right. And, uh, yeah. Now those are typically about five hundred or so miles, right? Yes. Okay. So would you say with that distance, then you'll feel comfortable if you're able to complete that, feeling good, everything's going well. That uh, that'll be uh, that'll be the preparation uh, for I you. I don't know if yeah. I'll ever feel comfortable. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose at the same time you have so much yeah. experience with the course, so I mean that's a huge factor when it comes to the race across the West or the race across America. Uh, it's just having the experience yourself, mentally knowing what to expect, knowing how to pace yourself, knowing how to eat, but also for your crew as well. And so I'd imagine Elizabeth it will be on the crew, and so you guys are you know veterans at this. So I imagine really at this point, it's just a matter of being able to prepare as best as you'd like to in knowing what's coming up ahead, right? Right, right. And uh, like, like you said, it'll take a couple of RAM challenges to get all that squared away. And hmm. um, I think it's going to be good to participate in those also because you do then have a crew because the crew is, I mean, that's really an important part of your race mm. is, I mean, uh, and it, like you said, we, we know the course, we've officiated um, mm. the course, we've crewed, oh, really? both of us have crewed the course and oh. ridden the course. So yeah, it's, that is an advantage. Yeah, no, that, that's really awesome. Well, so where did you guys officiate? We were RAM officials, and we yeah. did, uh, I, I don't know what year it was where we did to Durango. I, I don't, mm. yeah. We, we oh, yeah. after we did RAM in 2012, I think the mm. first year after that, we just officiated at the start, then we did mm. a little further, and then, then one year we officiated to, to Durango. Nice. Jeez. You guys really have done it all. Mm. <laughs> so that was then great divide beautiful out there what else do we have over here uh, that that actually is in i don't know what year that is but that's when we were working on the um, california triple crown thousand mile and that was at mm. eastern sierra that was our fourth one. Oh, okay yeah, I see Tom holding up the four. Oh, both of you holding up the four. Yeah, nice. the four. That's a really pretty, that's a good double century. That's a hard double century, but that one's beautiful. Mm. What would you say is your favorite double century 200-mile ride in the California Triple Crown Series? Eastern Sierra. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tom, I would useful? say, yeah, yeah. All right, what do we have here? It looks like the Silver State 508. Four-person relay? That was a Mm -hmm. four-person. The Spinner Dolphins. Cool. Again, we we, uh, 
Crystal had, uh, dolphin was her favorite animal, so that's how we chose the totem spinner dolphins. And um, that was in, what did I say, 2014. That was the uh, first year they did it hmm. in Reno, out of Reno. And um, we were a four-person team. We actually had the record for four years for a four-person mix, 50-plus. It was, it was broken in... 17, I think. I just want you to know that Elizabeth made me do that. Oh, yeah. Do that, oh, really? <laughs> Because I got hit by a car earlier in the year, and I had... No I way. Had, I injured my shoulder, and uh -huh. I had I needed surgery. But she oh, wanted to do the race before <laughs> I had surgery. <laughs> that, that was really wow. okay. I was hanging off the bike oh. and going right yeah. So, geez, Elizabeth really is the instigator. I think we oh, find yeah. Yeah, she is. <laughs> we figure that out once and for all and have it here in this recording. So <laughs> <laughs> that that was that was. If I look back at it, that was a pretty cruel thing to do. But I mm. wanted to do that race so bad. Yeah. No, that's cool. So, how does it work actually in the five weight in terms of a relay team? Is there just one totem for the whole team? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, have, have either of you done the 508 uh, solo? No, that's another thing I want to do. Okay. <laughs> Very we cool. We could still do that this year. <laughs> oh, that's true. Sounds like you'd be fit enough to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, is it in September? I think it's September, though, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Tom? You can make a big announcement that's here. A, that's after, uh, <laughs> it's after Borrego. Yeah. No. No. Before. before yeah. Before, before Borrego, Borrego. Yeah. yeah. I think the focus is Borrego. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Borrego. yeah. No, that's good. It's good. It's good to have a focus. Don't want to spread yourself too thin. Yeah. Let's hope Borrego works. That's going to be a very tough event to uh, figure out with the COVID. Yeah, that's right. It has been very disruptive, but interesting at the same time to see you know all the creativity that all the event organizers have been putting into practice and and also the participation from a lot of riders especially the virtual kind of rides it's nice to have the options but definitely looking forward to being able to get out there on a beautiful course like this where is this is this pbp or what are we no, looking at here? That, that is that is a tour that we did um it was from berlin to prague mm. And that is in Germany, St. Moritzburg, East Germany. East, it's on the Eastern Germany. And that was just one of the day rides. On these uh, international tours that we go to, we've uh, been on um, two group or two organizations. One is uh, Santana Cycles. I don't know what their official name is, but it's Santana, which is mm -hmm. they, um, it's a couple that, runs the tours and they make Santana bicycles and what's oh, okay. really cool is your hotel is a boat oh so, wow yeah so at night you're in a boat and during the day you ride your bicycle so they yeah. go to different ports and then they jump you off and you have um you're on your own during the day and they give you uh the the route and then you ride the route and then you meet back with the boat and then at night they go to the next port. So this year was from Berlin to Prague. It was a little tricky that year because uh, Europe was having a drought. So a lot of the time we weren't able to cruise on the Elba River. But yeah, that was 
that's was pretty, I mean, all of them have been great. Mm. All of them. Yeah. It sounds super memorable, very unique. And I could imagine breathtaking scenery like this, a lot of nice architecture as well out there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we, see, and, and, yeah. and during those tours, you're, I mean, that's for fun. So a lot of people go there and they ride real, real fast. And it's like, well, why are you doing that? You're there to see <laughs> the countryside. So we always take the maximum amount of time. We stop for lunch, drink a beer. In the nice. late afternoon, we'll have pastries and coffee. And we oh, usually go talking. with um, three other couples. We've been, there's um, eight of us that usually go and, and it's oh. been a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds great. One day we'll have to follow you along on one of these journeys. So I'll be I see... your babysitter. <laughs> oh, all right. There we go. Well, I mean, you know, we could always put a little baby uh, a pool, a pool thing there on the back and, and, yeah. and drag our son along. <laughs> I'm trying to think yeah. which tour there was a triple. Was that? Oh, cool. I, I think, yeah, I think that was Paris to Amsterdam. Yeah. There was a triple. Nice. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Now I see there's a tandem in this photo. Is this your tandem? You packed it and 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 shipped it across and and put yes. it back together again. Okay. Yes, this is a, a travel a travel tandem. It has mm. couplings, and mm. I don't know if you could see right underneath the, mm. the captain's seat. There's a coupling, mm. and yeah. uh, it breaks down into three pieces, and okay. it fits in two suitcases. Oh, I see. Yeah. Pretty neat. Now it looks like you guys just have uh, rim brakes on this. Yes. Okay. Now, have you have you wanted, uh, you know, a tan or do you have a tandem that has disc brakes, or does it not matter? You guys are really comfortable with that. Well, well, we prefer. Well, we bought this used from a friend, hmm. and uh, but our other tandem does have disc brakes in the back, hmm. and some of the the descents that we do in other countries are maybe a little steep. They hmm. should require uh, <laughs> disc brakes, but hmm. uh, this gets we don't do that much where it's that necessary. Mm. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I've ridden a tandem. I, I, I own one actually. And I've ridden a, a little bit with my wife, nothing crazy like what you guys uh, I'm sure are, are facing out on all of these rides that you do, but yeah, going down a descent, especially at a decent uh, grade downhill, it's, it's pretty tough on the captain to be able to, to, uh, you know, control the speed and come to a stop if necessary. Well, sometimes Elizabeth does the, the Fred Flintstone and puts her legs out and drags her feet <laughs> on the ground and slows down. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, how about what uh, my wife has done once before? Is she stuck her feet up on, onto the top tube and wasn't even pedaling. I didn't realize it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big joke all the time on the tandem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I see a nice big uh, uh, bag at the back. What do you guys usually pack in there? Oh, uh, there's some food and extra tubes rain gear yeah rain mm. gear and yeah just you know necessary stuff mm. stuff we might need and it looks it. like you both have just a single water bottle on the front what do you guys usually uh fill in filling them up with on a ride like this uh electrolytes and mainly water because mm. you know we're not really doing that much physical it's not really that physical because it's just mm. uh, a tour Mm. And you can cruise at whatever pace you want to cruise at. Right. And there's plenty of places to stop, get uh, food to eat and drink. And so it, uh, mainly electrolytes. Cool. 
Yeah, it looks like some fun times. I'm sure you have so many photographs in your photo albums of all uh, these amazing adventures. Yeah. <laughs> all right, who's this happy chap here? 2018. That was, that was the first time I did a 24-hour time trial. And I uh, did 338 miles. This wow, year I'm okay. shooting for 400. Oh, that's incredible. Well, congratulations on this first one. And we'll look forward to being able to hear back from you after <laughs> this year's one in, in November. So tell me about your experience with the 24-hour time trial. It was the first time that you did it back then, 2018. What was kind of your mindset going into it? And how did it all play out? Oh, shoot. <laughs> we were on a, a tandem tour. Out, I don't know what river we were at. And Elizabeth uh, said, hey, there's a, there's a waiting list for 24-hour time travel. I said, ah, put me down. Huh. And she goes, what do you want to do, the 12-hour? I said, no, I've done double century before. You know what you can do in 12 hours. I said, 24 hours. Yeah. I was on a waiting list. And I'm like, ah, it's never going to happen. They won't ever... <laughs> <laughs> they won't ever call. Yeah. A few days later, they said, "Hey, if you're serious, <laughs> oh my goodness. you know you're in." So yeah. I said, "Okay." So um, it was a it was a eye opener. You, know, you start at the five p.m. in the evening, mm. so you start out riding through the night at first, and uh, that was kind of difficult because you're mm. up most of the day, all day because your adrenaline's gone. You can't sleep mm. even if you try to take a nap. And you jump on your bike at 5 p.m. and you start a race and just going around in circles. It's a 19-mile loop. Mm. And so you ride through the night. And uh, it took several breaks because I, di I didn't, wasn't really prepared. I did, uh, didn't train very much for it because mm. I was anticipating not <laughs> doing it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, then I finished and it was, it was exciting. We had crewed for Shauna Hogan the year before. The year before, and I said, "Well, oh, okay. this is something I might want to do." Hmm. So, so it sounds like you had some exposure to it, at least similar to yes. your Rams and I guess the Raws as well. So that's that's great. So you had an idea of what to expect. Now, what what, what are you going to do? Be doing differently this year with that experience and just with all of your breadth of experience. Uh, what are some of the optimizations or, you know, strategies you're going to be using? How are you going to kind of, uh, you know, organize your ride this year? Well, like I said, I've been training since uh, three months ago and uh, just pace myself better mm. and uh, be a lot more mentally focused and uh, prepared mm. to do something like this. Because it, like you said, it, a lot of uh, altered cycling events are, I feel a mental. Mm. So, well, and I know you're from, uh, you're not going to be off the bike, well, not off the bike as much. You don't realize mm. how the short stops, you know, do take out up a lot of your time. So I know yeah. that that was, would be something he would definitely not do as much. Mm. Yeah. In uh, 24 hours I did, I was off the bike for like an hour, 10 minutes and that, that Ooh, just yeah yeah blew a lot of miles hmm. now mm -hmm. did you have any issues back in 2018 in terms of you know getting sleepy or did you take anything to combat that what's your thought process going into this year's 24 hour no no i did uh yeah i did get a little sleepy uh it was 
uh, in the afternoon, like maybe one or two o'clock in the afternoon the next day, and I got a little sleepy, but um, I had uh, a caffeine tablet that I, that I uh, and that helped. Just took half that you know never used them before and okay. had it with me. I said, "Well, maybe I'll just try it here," hmm. and it seemed to work. Hmm. But, now, uh, generally, you know, through training or just day to day, are you a big uh, caffeine consumer or you hardly have any? So it really worked for you well because you just never really have any. No, right right now. Well, back then I wasn't a ca- caffeine consumer, but uh, mm. and it did help. But right now I've been drinking a lot of caffeine. Mm. Yeah, coffee. coffee. He's a big yeah. coffee drinker. Oh, yeah. I mean, geez, if you're doing PVP and touring out there in Europe, I mean... Guess you'll pick that up. <laughs> so, any uh, any other plans in the way of combating any kind of sleepiness that you'll get this year, or do you think just through more training you'll be able to just withstand that and last the full twenty four hours? Um, no, nothing um, to prepare myself for for that. But I, I think just mentally. I'll be prepared to, you know, I know, I know what to expect hmm. now. So I, you know, I, I feel that mentally I'll, I'll be able to uh, overcome the sleepiness, tiredness. Right. And with training, working a lot of speed and power and get around there faster to get my 400 miles and then I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's very exciting and it's coming up quick. So it's, yeah. it's getting exciting. Great job. He doesn't require though. Tom doesn't, he, he's a retired firefighter. So he, Ah. he's used to doing like, you know, it could be a 24 hour shift. So Hmm. one of the things I know of Tom is that he doesn't require a lot of sleep. And Hmm. he also, um, he, he can take a short nap and be very productive after just a short, you know, like take a cat nap and be very productive after. So I think that helps them mm. in the, in these 24, you know, long distance events where I'm the exact opposite. I like my sleep. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I, I sit here and think, you know, it'd be fun to try this 24 hour, but I don't know if I can. <laughs> I don't know. Tandem. Tandem, you can take a nap. I can, yeah, I'll take a <laughs> nap. I'll take a nap. Uh, I'll, I'll take a, a hint from your wife and put my feet up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like Tom is volunteering. That'll definitely be <laughs> <for> raw. <laughs> That's great. Well, I guess you won't know until you try and uh, no harm in trying, yeah. right? Right. Well, th- the fun thing about the 24 hours, you, ke- you can do one lap and that's your mileage and you, ha- you don't yeah, DNF. Yeah. Right. Oh, so yeah, that's true. You'll still get one of those medals. And you, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right, Elizabeth. Put so. yourself on the waiting list. <laughs> yeah, no, not that. I, I have to be in that pit. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. Hope it all works out. But great memories. And uh, yeah, I can't believe, you know, two years since then and coming back with the vengeance, Tom. So we'll be rooting for yep. you. I'm sure you'll hit that 400 mark. You're doing all the training, and you've got a lot of that knowledge. What do we have? You no, know, last uh-huh. last year when I did the 24 hour, I got uh, 
So, well, actually, it happened in PvP. I was on the last two uh, controls to the finish, mm. and it was like 70 miles to the finish. Mm. And I developed a Shermer neck. Oh, you did? Yeah. And so, for 70 miles, I was holding my head up. You know those little uh, mm. fizz tubes or the perpetuum tubes oh, yeah, yeah. or solids? Uh-huh. I used that on my like four of them in a little oh. uh, tube bag huh. and I tied them on with the arm warmers. Oh my goodness. It, it propped my head up, but mm. still coming into some towns, I couldn't see the signs. So I had to push my head up oh to see goodness. the signs. And I did That's that for the last 70 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to Borrego Springs and I thought I had recovered. And I was mm. like six hours into the event. And it was like mm. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. Mm. And I was like running off the road because I couldn't hold my head up. Oh, no. And I wasn't going to do it for another 19, eight, uh, 16, 18 hours. Mm. So I just called it quit, DNF. But uh, yeah, that's kind of a weird experience is to have your head sort of <laughs> droop down. Right, right. You, know, you, yeah. you have no control over it. Yeah, and that's insane. I mean, would you say in PvP, I mean, is it a do you see it more often than not? I mean, are there several people every, every time, would you say, that, that ends up getting Shermer's neck? Or what does that look like? I mean, are, are people aware of it out there I mean, when, they're, when, the, when they saw you, yes. you know, the onlookers? Well, I don't know if they're aware of it, but uh, the first time I saw it was in Ram. With, uh, I don't know, there were a few people that had Shermer's neck. But mm-hmm. I was aware of it, and I don't know about the spectators if they're aware of it. But... Uh, because I was aware of it, I, I caught it real quick and I, and I mm. knew what to do. So I didn't DNF 70 miles from the finish because there was no way I was not yeah. going to finish that. <laughs> oh, boy. After yeah. all that. So how did it onset? What was the first signs and how did you catch it uh, early on? Uh, I was uh, cycling into the second to the last uh, control and I had a little difficulties seeing the road signs mm. and I'm like what the heck you know am I that tired so when I got to that uh, control it took a little longer rest than normal usually I would just eat and go mm. and uh, I took a little longer rest and as I left I was like maybe 30 minutes from the control and my head started to droop and I saw a climb coming up and I couldn't see the top of the climb although wow. there, I knew there were lights going up I couldn't see it Mm. So I stopped it and I was like, oh man, I was freaking out because I thought this was, I was dying. And then I said, oh, I have all this equipment. I can do this, this, and this. And, nice. and uh, it helped. And on my Garmin, uh, I followed the map. You can, you can see the map. So I was looking at my Garmin a lot. And on the Garmin, it has the sharp turn of warning. So it, it would let me know if there was a sharp turn coming up. So I would slow down and pop my head up to, to wow. see where I was going. Yeah. And uh, so I finished the last 70 miles. Jeez. <laughs> Stopping every now and then. I, I was, uh, I probably would have finished in 80 hours. I was looking at finishing at uh, maybe 5, 6 a.m. Mm. Um, however, I had to stop a lot to readjust my, my brace and mm. rest. So that took like another six hours, seven hours before I could make it into the finish. Wow. Incredible. 
Incredible yeah. achievement, great memories, and I'm sure it made for quite the sight for all the spectators. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't a nice sight for me to come see because yeah. I, you know, I was following him and I also thought, you know, he'd be coming in around five or six in the morning mm. and then it just got later and later and later and later and I was actually very, very concerned. Mm. And then people that I had been following that we knew came in. Zong. Zong, he came oh, wow. in, yeah, he came in before Tom, and Tom mm. had been way ahead of him for a long time. So, mm. watching him come in and then him holding his head was, yeah. but it's it's pretty weird phenomenon because the next day, yeah, it was fine. It was Tom, fine. You know, just wow. a little tired, but you know, I'm holding my head up normal. And, yeah, huh. it's, it's yeah. very strange. Just needs, needs a little bit more rest, I suppose. That's amazing. Yeah. And I suppose that's true and something that we as ultra cyclists find out very quickly as we compete in, and, and participate in a lot of these events that the human body is so resilient and, you know, you can really push it to pretty extreme uh, lengths. And I think that's a good example of that. And uh, what I'm doing now for to strengthen my neck is I have a little GoPro and you know, the little uh, oh, yeah. plastic case that the, for mm -hmm. waterproof, mm -hmm. I fill that up with some weight. So it's probably, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how much it weighs, wow. but I, I set it on my, and I train with it. It's on my yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> Added that weight. is definitely unique. I think you'll probably be the only person on the show probably for several hundred episodes that ever does that for training. That, that really shows the commitment. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. No, that's a nice tip uh, and, and trick. Maybe someone else will start trying and it'll become a trend, Tom. We'll call it the, the Tom. Uh, Tom. Well, well, let's hope this doesn't help happen to anyone else because it's, yeah. it's just a weird feeling. It mm. just feels weird. I can imagine. But glad you made that. And geez, last 70 miles, that would have been a heartbreaker, but I'm glad that had a happy ending to it. And, you know, you MacGyvered that one. And <laughs> thankfully, a lot of ultra cyclists are very uh, creative and, and can make a fix, you know, quick when it's needed. So congratulations on that one. What, what are we looking at here? Oh, that was, that was on one of our Santana tours. That was in the French Polynesia. And oh, the nice. last day we got to race in a professional race called La Ronda Tahiti. It was mm. in Tahiti. And um, I don't remember what place we came in. Fourth. Fourth in the, nice. in the tandems. So, um, yeah, it was really, really cool. That was, that was quite exciting. Yeah, sounds like fun. Now, was this the jersey that you got from that, that ride? Yeah, you, yes. yeah, yeah, you can nice. order them. Yeah, that's, that was, that's sweet. Uh, yeah, those are our favorite jerseys when we go on these uh, tours. They usually mm. have a, a jersey that they've designed. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it looks really nice. Makes for a good uh, honeymoon for, for some other viewers. <laughs> oh, yeah, we ended yeah. that trip on um, the over-the-water bungalow we stayed oh. for three nights. So that was Incredible. just heavenly. Jeez, you guys know how to do it. <laughs> Work hard, play hard. Yeah. I guess it sounds like mostly playing for you guys since you guys are able to do it together and have so much fun with it. Cool. All right, we got Tom in action here. What are we looking at? 
PVP. I don't know where the heck I was. Cool. <laughs> that's one of the photo uh, photographs you can purchase. That's yeah, that's a good picture. Yeah, yeah, looking good, Tom. Definitely yeah. need to frame that one up if you haven't already. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right, here we go. Borrego Springs. Was this for? Borrego Springs. That's my time trial bike. Nice. Is that the same one that uh, you'll be riding this year? Yes. Cool. And it's named Two Dogs. Oh yeah, I, I just saw that. Yeah. So so Tom Two Dogs. Well, would that be your totem for the five hundred eight? If you did that so well? Hey, yeah, probably. Oh, that's, yeah, a, that's, good a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's that's unique. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks for sharing that story. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so this one was from the your first twenty four hour uh, time trial then in no, twenty eighteen. That's from the second second one. Oh, this was the second one. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, looking good. Tell me about your setup here. It looks like you really have things dialed in. You have your arrow bars propped up pretty high there. Interesting yeah, seat that you the, have. The whole bike uh, was, uh, I had a bike fit. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, every, everything was measured to. Uh, That's that infinity yeah. saddle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Marco Bello uses that as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Now, did you learn about that saddle from him or vice versa? Well, he, he was using it in, uh, who, who makes them? Uh, uh, well, uh, Dr. Vince Marcel, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He, um, he's a friend of um, Shauna's too. So when mm. we were crewing for Shauna at the 24 hours, she was having some difficulty and she, I don't know how we got, was he there? Or yeah, how, he was there. yeah, he was telling us to get her fat. She mm. needed fat in her mm. diet. Mm -hmm. And so I remember going up and down the, the parking lot asking people for avocado or oh. butter so that we oh, could oh, get her fat. So she took huh. a teaspoon of uh, butter, butter and just and she, let it dissolve yeah. in her mouth. And and she was good to go. Good to go. Wow. Incredible. Never heard of that so, one before. Yeah, so make sure so you always keep the, a stick of butter in your saddlebag, I guess is the takeaway. Well, actually, one of the things Tom does for nutrition on longer rides is he does tortilla roll-ups, uh -huh. and you either he puts butter hmm. or avocado. It's a it's a spinach tortilla, and then you uh, put a layer of butter on it, and then a turkey. couple pieces of turkey hmm. and avocado, and you roll it up. So you, there you have uh, your carbs, your good fat in the avocado, mm -hmm. and your protein in the turkey, and oh, also yeah. the fat in the butter. Yeah, so yeah. you have all those uh, components as you're cycling, so it's there for you. And that was something we cool. made for Marco, too, last year at Ram. Oh. He always laughed at Slovenian eating uh -huh. a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> and he enjoyed it, I, I assume? Yes. Oh, yes. 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 Cool. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that secret recipe with all the folks. <laughs> That's so cool. So the in infinity seat, for those who don't know, so in, in, in the middle section, it, it's hollow, right? There's no seat there. Well, it, that's the yeah, main selling point. There, there's a little bit of a seat, but 
Yeah, mm. for the most part, it's hollow. Yes. Mm-hmm. How long have you been riding with that saddle? Uh, by about a year and a half. Yeah, about a year and a half. I used it in PVP, hmm. and it's the most comfortable saddle I've ever used. Hmm. Hardly ever had to have to stand. Uh, absolutely no saddle sores, chafing. Yeah. yeah. So cool. I, I, I'm, I, I, I like it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, after you've ridden for so many years and you have completed so many huge events like Ram and Raw and 508, it's amazing that even just a year and a half ago, you were able to switch to the seat and have found uh, even more comfort. So that's that's just incredible. I'm sure that'll help a lot with the 24-hour and your uh, Raw next year. That's a really sweet ride. Yeah. It's a pretty bike. Yeah. The dogs. Take it out for a run. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. What do we have here, Elizabeth? Oh, that's Ram. That's Ram 2012. That's hmm. my first track, um, Orange Crush. I'm nice. a San Francisco Giants fan, so that's ah. where that color came from. But yeah, that was that was Ram. Wow, you look just as serious as Tom did in that PBP photo. Yeah. Or was that one up here? Yep, yep, about the same. You guys are both crazy. I, I, it was amazing. I, I, I rode good in Ram. I was, I was hmm. actually, I don't know. It's something, you know. Well, I, we, when I you, was younger too. When you train, when you train, you're yeah. on a training schedule, and then you you have your diet, your nutrition. It oh, makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I felt the same way in training for a lot of those events, even though it seemed like you would be, I don't know, maybe more tired or just more sore or something, you know, in doing three, four, 500 miles a week and, you know, uh, all of that. But it turned out actually, I felt the best that I've ever felt in those times because you have your sleep dialed in every day. You know, it's very important to get all your rest in. Otherwise, the next day you just can't perform as well. And just having all the nutrition, like you said, dialed in. Man, makes a big difference. So that was that was Ram. You're looking really good there, feeling good. <laughs> looking super serious. I like those glasses. Do you still have those ones? Uh, yes, yes I do. Yeah, looking good. They actually are the old Oakleys, yeah. and hmm. the lenses have an SF for San Francisco Giants. <laughs> oh, okay. That's so cool. Let's see. Looks like we have one more photo here. Looks like Tom this time. That was no. That was Trona three hundred eight. That was I don't remember what year that was. Trona two. What did we say? Two thousand thirteen or fourteen? That's when uh, Death Valley was closed. The national park was closed, so they oh, had to right. adjust Furnace Creek. Mm. And it was called, no, it was 2014 because you got hit by the car. He actually did this a few weeks after being hit by a car because he was registered for this race. So that was Trona 308. He did it as a two-person. She made me do it. I did not make (laughs) him do this one. I needed surgery. (laughs) She said, no, you can't have surgery. No, no, you didn't didn't know you needed surgery then. That was all on him, (laughs) Justin. This one was not me. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jeez, we're gonna have to have another episode just to get to the bottom of that one. <laughs> <laughs> But in any case, Tom, you're crazy for having done that, but glad you were able to, and I guess had your surgery after. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't until yeah. November, it was yeah. Only, uh, yeah. November I had surgery. Mm. Now, you guys have accomplished so much. You have so much experience across the board, all kinds of different events all over the world. And you've been in the ultra cycling community for a very long time. What would, what would you say to people, what do you think that most people don't realize about ultra cycling, whether it's just a non-cyclist or a non-ultra cyclist? What do you think people don't understand? And, you know, when you're talking with somebody that maybe isn't an ultra cyclist himself, what do you think they don't understand about a lot of what you've done in 508, RAM, RAW, the 24-hour time trial, a lot of these multi-day tours that you do? Well, I think most people think that, uh, first of all, they think you're crazy. Mm. But uh, on the other side, it's uh, self-gratification and, and mm. uh, just the accomplishment of, of pushing yourself to uh, another level. And where a lot of people don't, or don't go there or don't want to go there mm. or don't feel that they can. And I think that's what they don't understand is that, you know, if you mentally feel you can do it, you can do it. You push yourself. That's good. And I I have to really agree with that because I would never have thought of myself as being able to accomplish any of this Mm. growing up because I, like I said, I was not athletic at all. Mm. And so it, it definitely the self-gratification. But what I think people probably don't know is the kinship that you Hmm. develop and friendships that you develop. I mean, I, we have friends now all over the world and you know, that like being able to go visit Marco in Slovenia and, and um, this last 24 hour we rented a house with Marco and Irma and they had um, a gentleman from New Zealand. So hopefully one day we'll be able to get to New Zealand. Yeah, we've been invited nice. there. We've been invited yeah. to New Zealand. And then when Very we cool. crewed for uh, Marco, when he did raw with the two person, him and Philippe, he's from Switzerland. Actually, that's where we should be right now is in Switzerland. Cause Tom was hoping to do tour tour. Um, and he was going to do the 24 hour in Slovenia. So, I mean, just the fact that you develop these friendships, I don't, you know, just like you, Justin, I mean, I think of you as a friend and we got to know you through a double century. And then that year that you did Bass Lake Double, there was a gentleman, do you remember Julian from Germany? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he I mean, he stayed at our house and and then when we officiated Ram, we met uh they were on were they a four person four person team from sure. Germany and his name is Torsten. He they did it in 13, I believe. We've been to his house a couple times in Germany, so uh, I think awesome. people don't understand that it's not just all about riding. It's, you know, it's people you meet, the people you meet, the friendships you've developed. Um, Mm. Yeah, I think 
that's pretty incredible too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with both of you. And I think both of you epitomize that very well and through all your years. And it's just great hearing and seeing all the joy that you guys have uh, in writing and in sharing your experiences. I'm glad we've been able to capture this. I'm sure other people just like you, Elizabeth, uh, (laughs) will find themselves uh, riding out there, maybe going across America and they never thought they would have. Yeah. Sometimes I still think I'd like to do it again. I'd like to do it with all women and have all men as crew. (laughs) Oh, that sounds great. We'll have to put that one together. Yeah, I can't wait. I just, I just, think you know i know there's a lot of men men crew but i just think that that would be pretty incredible (laughs) yeah sounds like a neat experience what do you say tom you're gonna be the crew chief (laughs) (laughs) you're out (laughs) yeah and you know we didn't cover the uh, bass lake double at all why don't you tell tell us a little bit about that and your involvement there what year was that justin do you remember Great question. I want to say it's probably 2013. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it was after Ram. But yeah, so we um, we were ride directors for three years for Bass Lake Double mm. um, here in um, the Fresno County. It's one of the double centuries on the Triple Crown, yeah. um, California Triple Crown calendar. Um, it's hard to do. Mm. A very, very hard thing to do is be a ride director. Um, it's a lot of work from, you know, from the minute that ride ends, you start planning for the next year. Mm. Um, it was a lot of fun. We just ended up kind of giving it up just because we were doing traveling, so we couldn't give the uh, time that was needed. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, it's also rewarding watching people finish right. a double, you know, especially when it's their first double. Mm. So, well, one rewarding thing about about it for me was uh, this gal. She was on Powerhouse and she was going up towards Bass Lake, and she stopped and she got off her bike. She sat mm. down on a chair. She's I can't go any further. I can't go. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. I said. Uh, sit down here for a minute, uh, have a drink, cool down a little bit, mm. take your bike, start walking up the hill, start walking. Mm. And if you feel you can get on the bike, get on it and go. She finished. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, she came over to me after the event and said, hey, if it wasn't for you telling me to walk my bike, <laughs> you know, keep going, I yeah. probably would have never finished. But she finished. And now that, that was like a a big moment for me and a rewarding moment as being a, a director of an event. I'll tell you a story about walking up a hill real quick. Sure, we yeah. were uh, crewing for Shauna Hogan 508. Hmm. And um, the crew chief is a real good friend of hers. And um, we were up going climbing up a canyon. And um, Shauna does not like cold weather at all. So it was cold. It was at night in a canyon. And um, Shauna and her crew chief walked up the hill. And never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought 
that Shauna Hogan mm. would walk mm. during a race. She's just like everybody else. She mm. walked up the hill and, and finished. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that's incredible. I think a good testament to really the the journey and the adventure for us as individuals, as ultra cyclists, it could be on a given day, you know, just the wrong circumstance, maybe just for an hour, maybe for, you know, half a day that you're not feeling well, but that, that drive and that perseverance to keep uh, going and knowing that the body is so resilient. So I'm glad you shared that story because, of course, we've shared about a lot of your accomplishments and all the successes, but it's true that there are times when things get difficult, but we're all just human. And even, you know, both of you riding hundreds of miles and, you know, Tom going for 400 miles in uh, this November for the 24 hour and doing RAM multiple times, um, you know, friends and family could um, mistake us for superhumans. Meanwhile, Elizabeth, right, you, you could testify to this that, you know, you're just like everybody else, but you, yeah. know, you take it one step yeah. at a time and you realize that, hey, it's not impossible actually, right? Well, Shauna said, I'm moving forward. Oh, that's good. I like so, that. Yeah, yeah. Moving forward. Well, on that note, I think that's a good segue into our <laughs> sprint to the finish line questions. Just a couple so that way we can end on a fun note. <laughs> and uh, move forward to Tom's next big adventure. And we'll definitely have him on the show again to be able to recap that ride. So a couple questions here. First one, when is your next long training ride? And how long do you expect it to be? Both of you. <laughs> Mine is uh, 22nd the next weekend. I'm doing a double century. Now, yeah. will that be the virtual virtual ride, or are you able to actually no, do the course? No, yeah. well, it'll be here in Fresno. We'll leave uh, from my house, well, close to the house, mm -hmm. and uh, just do. Well, actually, it's a it's one of the Brevet routes, three hundred k. But I just added a few more miles to make it a two hundred two hundred miles. Cool. But uh, yeah, plan on doing that um, Saturday, the twenty second. Sounds like fun. I don't know when I'm going to be on the bike again, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess in, in, your, in your dreams, I'm sure you dream about it after sure. all these years. It's the only thing you think about, live, breathe, and, and dream well, ultra cycling. <laughs> yeah. Well, and a granddaughter now, so. Yeah. Hey, well, I can relate. I have an almost five-month-old, and it's been a low-mileage year for me, but still love riding when I can. and. Yeah. Glad yeah. to be able to chat with all you guys and I could live uh, through all your experiences. <laughs> all right. How would you both rate yourself in terms of bicycle maintenance? Do you guys both do a pretty good job cleaning, tuning up? Zero. I, 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 I do all of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I prep both bikes. She well, I guess yeah, you got her into it, so I guess it's only fair, right? <laughs> Okay, what is your dream bicycle or do you already own it? I own it. Okay, which one was that? Uh, that's my new track. Okay. That was a dream of mine to have, you know, that. I'm a girl. It's a pretty bike. Oh, yeah. No, we'll definitely have to see that and share that with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the name for that one? Oh, that's Crystal's Gift. I have oh, that okay. actually uh, painted on crystals. It says crystals gift. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. That's very special. Tom? Uh, E-bike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That would make things a lot easier. Right? Actually, actually, that is something we're looking into. Our friends uh, have an e-bike tandem, and they, they oh, cool. said we can make one of our tandems and uh, put and e make it an e-bike. They, they did trans. They moved one of their tandems, and it's just, you know, just to have for fun. Yeah, just for fun. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be really awesome. Jeez, how many times can you do RAM with that? Man. <laughs> awesome, you could do it you know, like twice a year. <laughs> Very well, cool. of course, it'll just be for fun. But uh, yeah, 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 an yeah, e-bike yeah. would be, you know, tandem e-bike. Yeah. Uh, just go out and have fun. Yeah, no, that, that'd, be, uh, that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, who, who would you guys want to nominate for an episode on the show? Somebody that... You know, maybe they just have a, a story that really has inspired you or a story that you haven't heard before. I thought about that because I listened to your other um, episodes. Um, do you know who Adam Ashwell is? I don't. He is, he lives in Fort Scott, Kansas. And his uh, family runs one of the time stations on the Ram route. And I believe he's now 16. And I don't know how long he's been following Ram. But um, he was a chunky little kid. And he's now a very thin 16-year-old who has started racing. And um, mm. one of the other um, ultra cyclists, I can't think of Mike's last name, Anyway, he brought him to the 24-hour oh, this incredible. past year, and I think he would be he he has ambition, I'm sure, to do Rams. So, but just oh, yeah. his journey of losing weight and and being all into the Ram racers, I think it would be fun to have a kid's perspective. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, thanks for that suggestion. I have another suggestion, George yeah. Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great suggestion. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he, as a ride director, as a ultra cyclist, as, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the suggestions. And I'll look forward to being able to follow your journeys, Tom, through this next year. I, you have two very big events coming up, the 24 and Raw, so that's very exciting. And wish you all the best on that. There's a lot of inspiration to gather from today's episode with Tom and Elizabeth, so I hope you feel inspired to ride with somebody and to go the distance. Until next time, everyone, keep spinning ultra.